eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. we got a bunch to get here on a new episode. Uh, thanks to Mark Brennan for joining us. You'll actually hear from Daniel Gallon again a little bit later here in this edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. A new football series has been scheduled for Penn State. We'll talk about that. Uh, an incoming Nittany Lions basketball player featured in uh, 24-7 Sports' latest rankings on transfer portal players for basketball. Uh, Daniel wrote a couple features there. Uh, we'll talk about those stories and more. But first, a lot of recruiting to get to. And Brian Doan is our main attraction 24-7 sports national recruiting analyst. Always fortunate to get him on. And Brian, it comes at a good time because official visits are being scheduled all over the place. Penn State will be the recipient of several of them. But how is springtime on the recruiting trail treating you? <laughs> well, listen, after the last two springs of where you're, you know, talking about, well, what'd you see on your, you know, WebEx visit and where coaches are walking around showing their phones so kids can see campuses. Yeah, I think this is a little better. And it's kind of a, a fun time of year because kids are scheduling official visits. You know, they've, they've made their big pushes in March and April for spring practices. Coaches are now out evaluating kids and, and seeing kids at school. So it feels normal and, and normal's good. Yeah, no, I am 100% on board with you there. And as we start to see these official visits stack up, um, Penn State looks like they're going to handle a lot of their big business come June. Um, specifically, a weekend I wrote about June 17th to 19th. That is a list that continues to grow. But if we could start with some of the in-state headliners there, and Rodney Gallagher is a guy that you caught up with following his latest trip to Happy Valley. And as you noted, a very important trip for Gallagher. Yeah, it was huge because he had started visiting some other places. It comes on the heels of him going out to Notre Dame where he just had a fantastic time. And so it was important for him to get back to campus and kind of reconnect with the coaches because it's one of those things where he's known Penn State for so long. He's been there so many times that it's easy to forget that it can be a great place because you're so familiar with it. So, and then you go to Notre Dame, you go to some other places and you see everything's new and shiny. And, you know, he's going to be at Virginia Tech later this month. He's got that West Virginia official at the beginning of June before his Penn State one, I think the 17th. But you just need to keep reminding guys like that of, hey, just because you know us really well, it's still important for you to get to campus. And he spent a lot of time with, with the receivers coach, Coach Stubblefield, and I think that was important for him as well, just to, you know, they'll talk about being Jahan Dotson or KJ Hamler. Um, but I think it's just important for Gallery to get back there. And the interesting thing with him is 
I'm now being told that he's going to visit, not only is he visiting Penn State the same weekend as Tamir Robinson, the, the big edge rusher out of Pittsburgh, but I'm hearing they're going to go to Virginia Tech together later this month. So it's important to continue to recruit Gallagher hard and, and show him the love. Brent Pry, of course, down there trying to recruit for the Hokies. Um, Brian, I mean, Gallagher is is a guy who it's it's not rare to see this, but a projected top-tier talent at a skill position at wide receiver who is you know best player on the high school team, playing quarterback, making things happen. What can you tell us a little bit about how you see him progressing at that position? Because a guy like Omari Evans comes up from Texas. There's no high school film of this guy playing receiver, and it leaves you scratching your head, and you got to kind of rely on what Penn State coaches saw of him as a wide receiver going through their camps. Um, but I I'm just curious from your perspective with Gallagher, when he goes all in at receiver, what could the Nittany Lions get if he does end up here? Well, I mean, I, I think, first of all, he has film already, right? He played some receiver mm -hmm. early in his high school career. He told me that he played quarterback last season out of necessity, which is great because it's a, it's a team kind of concept of, hey, I know I'll play quarterback. I'm going to run it a lot, take a beating, and then I still have to get ready for basketball season. So it's very unselfish. It seems like a no-brainer, but in today's age, man, you say good job. Um, and he told me he's supposed to be back at receiver as a senior so this this is a lot like and and you know some Penn State fans may want to cover their ears on this one, but it's a lot like Lonnie White when Lonnie White played, you know, quarterback as a junior, but he had played receiver earlier in his high school career and moved back to receiver as a senior at Malvern Prep. And for those who don't remember, Lonnie decided to go play baseball and sign with the Pirates and is now in the minor leagues. But um, so there's a there's a lot to know there in terms of you already know he's a good route runner. He's got good ball skills. He gets out of his breaks quickly. You watch him play quarterback with his, you know and it translates to run after the catch. He's got good stop start ability. He's got good you know top end speed. He's a shifty guy that can play in the slot. There's already a lot known about him. Um, you know, and I think we list him as an athlete, and, and I think that's going to change. And we'll probably wind up listing him at receiver in the coming weeks or months. Brian, last time you were on the show, we talked about Tamir Robinson and his development from a physical standpoint. There's been some developments with his recruitment, locking in that official visit with Penn State, and now a West Virginia trip no longer on the itinerary for Robinson. Things shifting a bit in his recruitment as we get to a kind of a key stretch in late spring? Um, yeah, I think the West Virginia thing was a big development. Um, he was going to make the official, like I said, the first weekend of June. He said that's no longer the case. Um, I'm not going to start airing out what happened, but let's just say that right now, West Virginia and Robinson's camp are not seeing eye to eye on things, um, which opens up a huge opportunity for Penn State because, you know, one of the things you keep hearing with West Virginia is they're talking about a lot of NIL money for kids, and, and that's really uh, enticing to some. To some, it's not. To some, it is. And so Robinson's going to visit the 17th. He's got to continue to work his relationship with Manny Diaz and, you know, make sure he's comfortable there, uh, see his fit in the defense at Penn State if that's where he decides to go. Now, I mentioned Virginia Tech earlier with him. It's interesting. He had a really good relationship with Brent Pry, you know, who was obviously Penn State's D coordinator before getting the head job at Virginia Tech. And Brent Pry is not a guy that got mentioned a lot in recruiting because as a coordinator, you don't do as much as maybe some of the other guys. But he was a really good recruiter, and he did. He was fantastic at building relationships with kids. 
especially when those kids came on campus. And so I, I think Virginia Tech is somebody to, to really watch there. Haven't heard him mentioned a lot with Pittsburgh. So I, I, I can see it as being like, right now, I, I think it's more of a West Virginia Penn State battle. He was just down at Miami a little while ago. I could see the Canes being involved, but you know, he, he's supposed to be 6'5 now, right? He keeps growing edge guy kind of fits what Penn state has done in the past with those guys. So I'm interested to see how this one plays out down in Virginia and Fairfax. Tony Rojas has four finalists. He's got four official visits, Penn state, Clemson, Miami, Georgia, same weekend, June 17th to 19th, as we talked about with Robinson and Gallagher and a list that keeps growing here for happy Valley uh, Rojas. That's, that's an interest. That's a legit final four. I think you could say Brian, and, and he's going <laughs> to, he's going to go make sure that he takes a longer look at each stop. And um, it's going to be pretty fascinating to see how this plays out specifically as he finishes off this tour down with the national champions. It'll be interesting a to see if he gets through all four visits, which I, I think he will, but you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, Rojas's recruitment has been interesting in that, you know, there was times you heard Clemson, oh, he's going to wind up at Clemson. He made a visit to Tennessee and you heard, oh, Tennessee really, you know, showed him a lot with NIL stuff and he really felt comfortable there. And then Tennessee doesn't make the list. He had a strong relationship with Brent Pry. He talked about getting back down to Virginia Tech, never got back down there. So what are the, con the con and, and now Miami, right? He told me that his sister lives down there and that his mom is looking to move down there once Tony gets into college somewhere. So what's the constant? The constant is Penn State. And so I feel like they fought off Clemson. Clemson is still there and can still get them. But, you know, Miami's kind of like the trendy name right now to go along with Penn State. At the end of the day, there's a lot that makes sense with Penn State and Tony Rojas. And, you know, I, I'm doing a chat on Thursday on, on lines 247, and somebody asked who I would be close to crystal balling because, you know, they love that stuff. And the, the one guy that keeps coming back is Rojas, but I'm a little hesitant to it just because there always seems to be that little change in things. And, and then you don't know when you go down to Georgia at the end of June, after Georgia's going to have a bunch of kids in on official visits, you would think they'll still have room for him. It makes sense that they would. He's that kind of player. But I'm kind of curious to see how this thing plays out in June. Elsewhere and, and also beyond uh, Pennsylvania, well beyond Pennsylvania, King Mack. Uh, this is another mm. defensive back. He's been mentioned on this show before. Sean had talked about him a bit. St. Thomas Aquinas uh, already got Conrad Hussey on board out of that backfield. Uh, you confirmed he's got an official visit planned. And you know, this is there's a few things brewing in Florida, and I'm going to lean on Andrew Ivins next week. He's going to be a guest on this podcast, and he's going to talk a lot about what Penn State has done with some commits down there and some guys they have visiting. But since you caught up with him, what's your read on King Mack and, and his motivation to see Happy Valley? I mean, he, he just likes the idea of playing now. He knows that they put some D-backs in the NFL. He sees an opportunity for playing time. And on the Penn State side, look, we list him as a safety. I keep talking to, to people about him and they could see him playing corner. He's listed at 5'11". We'll see if he's 5'11". We'll put it that way. Um, but he can run. He's got great speed. And so maybe you're willing to go a little smaller at corner than you would at safety for that. Um, it doesn't mean at 5'9", 5'10", you can't play safety. You can. But uh, you would think in the Big Ten you want a little bit bigger guy in the secondary playing safety, coming down with some of those run fits. But, I mean, the, the, the kid's athletic, 
and he runs really fast and he's got loose hips. So that, that's pretty good, pretty good combination of things on why you would want to get him on campus. And uh, a good month in April down in Florida. They got Hussey on board from St. Thomas Aquinas, the quarterback, Marcus yeah. Stokes. Um, a, a guy I caught up with earlier this week, Brian, is Kavion Keys. Uh, had a heck of a junior year, uh, helped them win a state championship down there uh, in Virginia. And he's a guy that, that you know, he's trying to piece it together here. It's getting a little bit late in the game for the official visit window when you're trying to juggle potentially five visits. But he told me Penn State's going to be on that list. So is North Carolina. And then there's some programs, Virginia Tech among them. Again, Brent Pry popping up. Um, I love what he put out there as a junior. I'm very intrigued by him, but he's been unable to get here to campus. So you're kind of waiting on that from a Penn State perspective. So I think one thing to keep in mind when people are talking about getting kids to campuses, and I'm not talking about KVI in particular, but just, just in general, a rule of thumb to, to keep in mind before people are like, oh, how, how serious can he be? He didn't make it here in the spring. Uh, for some people, it's easy to get to places. For some people, it's a little more difficult. And for some, it's really hard. And Kavion Keys is a kid who was going to visit Rutgers at one point, and it fell through. His ride fell through. He was going to visit Virginia Tech in March. His ride fell through. He was going to go to UVA. There were problems with the schedule there. Um, he had told me in the past he wanted to get to Penn State. It's not that easy because it's not like Penn State says, just pick any day you want to come to campus. There, there's certain times for him to come to campus for when coaches are going to be there, for when things aren't going on. Like, you know, the Big Ten meetings were just going on. So even if a kid came on campus now, James Franklin isn't there and the staff is out recruiting. So so there's certain things, not to mention the academic calendar and how it suits, you know, sets up. So he's, he wants to get to Penn State. I could see him getting there. I think one of the things is you look at, like, Penn State's desire to get him there and, and kind of learn more about him because you get to spend some personal time together is important. I think, you know, could factor into why maybe they're, you know, Kenny Johnson's out there setting up visits and everything and they're not kind of pushing there as hard as maybe they could, you know, maybe moving forward. But he's supposed to visit Virginia Tech at the end of June on an official. He's trying to set up North Carolina. He's trying to set up Penn State. It's, you know, the other part of it is, Penn State may want him on a certain weekend. You know, they're bringing in a lot of their commits on the 17th. Do they want him there on the 17th as well? And so maybe Virginia Tech wants him on a certain day or North Carolina. So there's a lot of parts to juggle with this stuff. It's not just like, well, why hasn't he set a visit? Yeah, down in Richmond, Virginia, all Metro picked down there, 15 sacks. Yeah. Uh, per the Richmond Times Dispatch, monster season for him. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what how that pans out. Uh, Brian, uh, another guy here back locally and looking at Pennsylvania, London Montgomery. When we had you on last, you said you were going to be keeping a close eye on his track results, and he posted some earlier that that got my attention back in April. Um, where do you think London Montgomery is progressing as a prospect at the running back position? Yeah, I think when you see the speed, you know he's he's running in the you know, 10 eights, I think, again, um, I know he told me he wants to get to 10, seven, 10, six, but for me, um, I look at it from Penn state. It looks like they're going to get him on an official on the 17th. It's almost worked out that it's there. It's, it's not quite, you know, in stone yet. He wants to visit Rutgers or some other places. He's going to want to go check out on official visits because the process kind of came at him quickly. He didn't really have much going on until January, made a visit or two and, and 
you know, he's gotten to Penn State a bunch of times, and that's a good sign. And and I feel like, you know, Penn State offered another running back in the 23 class. I believe, Tyler, you you maybe DM'd with him a little bit. I think out of Georgia, if I remember right. Um, but that doesn't have anything to do with Montgomery. They're just continuing to recruit running backs because that's what you do. But I, I think Lyndon Montgomery is going to take his time, look at a lot of different things, and find that it's going to be very difficult to pick somewhere that is not Penn State. That offer was uh, Dontavious Braswell. He's been a, a, a rising name down there, picking up some steam in the SEC. Penn State offers yeah. him. Um, and, and Penn State also put out an offer. You know, you, you've seen some of these long-distance 2023 offers pop up. Jalen Braxton down in Frisco, Texas. Within 12 hours of getting that offer, he had an official visit lined up with Penn State. Brian, isn't that part of this stage of the calendar right now you're putting out some of these offers and trying to get the reciprocated official visit from from guys that are just really outside of what would be a, a, a drivable distance or a, a something you could do on your own dime well and i think that's a big thing so again we talked about earlier we talked about the evaluation period and so that's a big point with this you go to the evaluation period and you learn about some new guys and you know it, it depends how it works hey if you make an official we'll offer you well i'm not making an official unless you offer so stuff like that and, and i get it from a kid's standpoint he's got offers you know he wants to go visit a place that he knows he can go to and commit to so um but that's part of the process and, and it also speaks of the penn state brand because there's not a lot of schools that can you know, say, okay, here's an offer. And then the kid's like, all right, let's set the official. It doesn't happen a lot of times. It, it happens with some elite schools and Penn State's one of them. And yeah, if I'm a kid from Texas, I've watched, I probably watched Penn State on TV at some point. You've had to hear about the whiteout if you're, if you're a recruit. So yeah, you, you set the official and you learn a lot more about the school. And, and it's from Texas where Penn State has had success recruiting down there before. So it's not like they're never down there. There's not a lot of one-way flights in the state college either, Brian. Uh, so it's, you know it, you got to be you got to be willing to, to plan a travel, plan a trip with your with your parents and all that stuff, and to get here. But clearly, it's paid off a lot for some of these official visitors turning into commitments down the road. We've seen it time and time again. Got the spring official visit window. Why not take a chance here? Um, offensive line class. You've talked about it a lot, being a, a cornerstone of this 2023 group for Penn State. It's a top 10 class right now in 24/7 Sports rankings. 11 guys on board, and four of them are offensive linemen. And one you spotlighted in a feature for 24/7 Sports this week. Guys, you would place a bet on in the 2023 class who end up as first-round picks down the road. And you went with the Penn State commit, and I'm not surprised because you have been stomping uh, your feet in favor of this guy being a big-time prospect for a while. Yeah, I mean, he he does a lot of things that you want just outside of being a great football player. Smart kid, great kid, really good family, has a brother who wrestles at Navy, Alex Birchmeyer we're talking about um, from Broad Run down in Ashburn, Virginia. Um, you know, he, he's a kid that is a high-level wrestler, state champion twice already in wrestling, speaks of the flexibility, body control, um, ability to manipulate your body in, in a lot of different ways. It just, and he's got the size. And what I really, really like about Alex Birchmeyer is he knows who he is. We originally rated him as an offensive tackle and he hit me up and he's like, yo, I'm a guard. Can you put me a guard? And, you know, we had talked about it as a, as a, rankings committee about moving him to guard so the timing was perfect but you know a lot of kids are like oh i'm a tackle i'm a tackle and you're like i, I get it but there's not a lot of 
six three tackles in the Big Ten who have maybe an inch or two of plus arm length, and that's it. So Birchmeyer knows who he is. He's tough. He's hard nosed. He's road grader. He's physical. Um, it just, I mean, I, I can go on and on and on about him, but when you look at his athleticism and his technique and his desire to be great, that's uh, a that's a really good combination right there. Phil Troutwine and, and the Nittany Lions are not done yet with this offensive line class. So I'm going to toss a few names your way. You can take it wherever you'd like. But Evan Link, Samson, Oaken, Lola, and then Logan Howland, who uh, and the Hun School now is reclassified, formerly played tight end. I caught up with him a bit earlier. It sounds like Penn State's well positioned to, to maybe get an official visit from him. But some intrigue with this guy, uh, you know, popping up in the 2023 class. Well, yeah, so Okinola, we'll see, I'll see him on Sunday. He told me he didn't have anything set up when I was texting with him on uh, Wednesday. You know, all these days run together sometimes. Um, you know, so with Evan Link, I expect him to be on campus in June for an official visit. Uh, Logan Hallen's interesting, and, and I'm going to see him Thursday evening during a workout at his school. Um, so I'm curious, you know, to, I'm curious to see him. I, I want to see what, what all the – um, hubbub's about, as we say, um, you know, maybe 50 years ago, we would say that, but he's a, he's a former tight end. Who's making a transition to offensive tackle. Uh, I, I spoke with the coach at Hun the other day about him, Todd Smith, and they've had success with this kind of kid before Bobby Haskins, who was a tight end, went to UVA played offensive tackle was a starter there, just grad transferred and is now at USC. Uh, they produce a lot of offensive linemen at the Hunt School. You look, their offensive line across the front are, are FBS kids, Power 5 kids consistently uh, when Todd Smith has been there. And so he, he's raving about this kid. I want to see what he's about. Now, he's set some officials, I think one's to Oklahoma. Um, but the curious thing on this is all these schools are moving on him without having seen him really work out yet. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. And I'm, I'm really curious to see him on Thursday evening. And, you know, I'll be back with the intel on what's going on with him. That's for sure. You mentioned it. you've got a, a chat going on Thursday at, at Lions 24-7. You're going to be popping up on the message boards there for, for these. Uh, and that's great. We appreciate it. We know our readers do as well. So a lot more going on behind the scenes over at Lions247.com. One guy I don't want to let you get away with without bringing him up again because he is such a fascinating figure in the 2023 class. And that's Nicholas Harbour. It's been six weeks. What's the latest on this guy? Oh, geez. I spoke with his coach um, at Archbishop Carroll down in D.C. earlier this week, said he didn't have any visits set up. Listen, for those that do not remember, Nicholas Harbour is the 6'5", 230-pound edge rusher, tight end, linebacker, <laughs> track phenom, who at that size is running, what was it, 10'3'2", he ran in the 100-meter. Um he, so he's dealing with a lot of track stuff. I know there's a lot of chatter with Michigan and Nicholas Harbor, and I understand that. Uh, I do think he'll wind up going to college rather than just turning pro in track. But I, I want to see what happens in the summer when some of these SEC track programs start talking to him about what he can be and how he can do both at their schools. And, and so is there anything new? Well, as of two days ago, there was no new visits set up. You know, it's something I continually monitor. Um, 
and again, his his track stuff makes it difficult. He was out in Los Angeles for Mount Sac Invitational, which is a big track meet in Southern California, and he went and visited USC and got a look there. Um, very different recruitment. Not to mention he's an unbelievable student, so academics are, are going to play a role in this thing, and and more so academics. You know what can you do with the degree that you get and and the connections, but. I mean, I, like I said, I know people are saying Michigan, but I, I get that. I, I fully understand that, especially right now. But let's see how this track thing goes. Brian, we appreciate you hopping on with the Lions 24-7 podcast whenever you can. Uh, we'll talk to you real soon, I'm sure. Hey, thanks, Todd. I appreciate it. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Brian Doan does a fantastic job covering the national landscape, specifically, of course, here in the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic and really all things Penn State. We are grateful for him. And you can follow along with his VIP chats online, 247.com. He's going to be over a lot uh, in the upcoming weeks. And, and just to reiterate something we talked about earlier, we have a full-time recruiting reporter that will be joining us uh, here in the month of May uh, to cover Penn State recruiting full-time, and, and, and we're going to have them on the show pretty frequently as well uh, as they get after it for us. Um, he's been getting after it for us for a, a week plus now. His name is Daniel Gallen. You heard him for the first time on this podcast uh, on Tuesday when he joined myself and Mark Brennan to break down some post-draft stuff, uh, the new athletic director announcement, and we, we couldn't keep him away for too long, and we're bringing him back on because there are some other things to get to. We just had uh, Brian Doan spend about a half hour with us breaking recruiting and, and talking all that stuff. So tough act to follow, but we'll let you try. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. I uh, I know that those are some, uh, you know, he's the one people want to hear from. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, well, they're sticking around for you if they're still listening. So, Daniel, let's get to it. Uh, Syracuse now on the map for Penn State's upcoming schedule 2027-2028. Both times in September, once in Syracuse, once here in Happy Valley. Give us the lowdown on a series that I had no idea had so much history going into yesterday. Yeah, I was very surprised to learn this too. Uh, I think the the one nugget from the Syracuse press release was that uh, Syracuse has played Pitt or Syracuse has played Penn State the most uh, of any school except for Pitt, um, which you know that makes sense because they're in the Big East together and now they're in the ACC together, but. Syracuse Penn State not really a rivalry that kind of jumps to your head um, I think that the series dates back to 1922 a scoreless tie at the polo grounds um, which I'm, I'm sure that was some, some we, un we uncovered football. Mark Brennan's old story from that I think we found Mark's <laughs> uh, post-game rap yeah <laughs> yeah Mark Mark was there he, he got some good shots from from the press box um, 
But yeah, I mean, it's you kind of see that these schedules, they they come together. And I think that it's good for Penn State to have a, a power five, uh, you know, matchup on the schedule in the future. Not exactly the, the sexiest matchup, I think. I think, you know, a lot of people want to see those big kind of showcase games uh, that, that you see Alabama play, Ohio State play sometimes. But, you know, the, the pieces are slowly coming together. And as with anything with with future scheduling, uh, who knows when we get to 2027, 2028, uh, what exactly the landscape will look like. Yeah, big trip to Auburn this year. Of course, we've missed out on some trips the last couple of years because of uh, a couple of years ago because of COVID. But uh, West Virginia, we'll see what happens ahead. Virginia Tech is one that had been on the schedule, but this is one. Uh, again, we'll see ACC. I know people when they think ACC, they think Pitt for this series, and some people love it. Most people seem to hate it though. When you kind of gauge the interest on the Nittany Lions end of it, last time they played something you noted in your story yesterday. August 31st, 2013 in MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, Hackenberg threw a touchdown uh, to Allen Robinson, who had 133 receiving yards on the day. Uh, Daniel Elsewhere, 24-7 Sports, released their new rankings for the transfer portal players on the basketball end of things. So much fixation on what's happening in football right now on that end. And, and by the way, Chris Summer has a fantastic story up on what is people are referring to as the tampering era in college football. Really encourage you to check that out. It's actually up at lions247.com. But on a lighter note, Penn State's bringing in a transfer from Drexel and uh, our 24-7 sports analysts uh, who know a little bit about basketball think pretty highly of him in the grand scheme of things among transfer portal players here in 2022. Yeah, 24-7 sports released its new uh, transfer portal player rankings, uh, a top 100 uh, from the, the Hoops transfer portal. And Cameron Winter, uh, the Drexel transfer, checks in at, at number 59 um, in those rankings. So Penn State bring in a, a top 100 transfer and winter's a really interesting player six foot two guard he's a grad transfer who will play for one year uh, can score um, average 14.6 points per game in four years at Drexel uh, 15.8 points per game last year uh, he was the CAA tournament most outstanding player in 2021 uh, when Drexel won their tournament championship and he's an experienced player I mean 114 games 111 starts I mean that's someone who can come in and, and kind of know um, what he needs to do. So I think that's a pretty big pickup for Penn State. Uh, he's he's from Long Island, um, played in Philly. You know, so he's you know, he's from the area. Um, and combined with Andrew Funk, uh, the Bucknell transfer, who averaged more than 17 points per game last year, uh, Penn State has the number 24 transfer class in the 27, 24-7 sports rankings. So you know, it's part of the game. Uh, basketball, I think it's, you know, the transfer portal works a little bit differently uh, because of the nature of the game. But it seems like uh, Penn State, Micah Shrewsbury is, is poised to add a couple impact players who can you know make some things happen in the backcourt. Let's keep it there for a second, because you did spend last season covering this basketball program for another outlet. Um, you're going to be involved there as well. And of course, Mark Brennan does a great job on the basketball beat. But we didn't get to it with the athletic director conversation last episode because we were running pretty late. But uh, there was you know, the, the, the basketball conversation of how do you make sure this is a destination job? How do you make sure that Michael Shrewsbury would stay here if he is able to continue to elevate it? How do you make sure that he can build a program? Uh, and, and you mentioned a top 25 transfer class. They had a top 25. I think it was number 25 recruiting class by 24-7 sports. That would seem to be a good combination. What's your read on the early stages of year two, the Shrewsbury era? 
It's going to be really interesting where I think that on the surface, the results might not necessarily, they'll, they'll look a little different. I don't want to say that it, it, like the final record might be a little worse, but it would be kind of, it's going to be a nonlinear progression. Basically Um, last year, they brought in four or five experienced transfers this year. They're bringing in five freshmen. Um, So I think that the, the talent level of the program is going to rise but at the same time, the, the experience level is going to go down. And, you know, maybe some of the games that uh, Penn State was able to keep close last year because of guys like Greg Lee, um, guys like Jaheim Cornwall, these fifth year guys who came in and kind of been around the block a little bit. They kind of knew what they were in for, maybe with freshmen instead of fifth year guys in those roles, you know, 18 year olds versus 23 and 24 year olds. It's it's a pretty big difference. But I think you're getting a really good infusion of talent. Uh, Kevin Jai is the top-ranked recruit, uh, four-star just outside the top 100 in the in the composite rankings. But I think Jameel Brown uh, from Philadelphia is someone that people are going to be really excited to see, a uh, three-star guard um, from Westtown who finished his career at Westtown School. So I think that things are are the arrow is pointing up. Um, and I think that even after um, even after next year, the arrow is still going to be pointing up even if the the on-court results look a little bit different. Um, but I think it's kind of the the thing to keep in mind that, um, you know, it, it's just nonlinear progression. I think that there will be some steps forward, even if when you get down to the, the final numbers and, you know, the final scores, it, it might look a little different. little state of the program uh, from Daniel Gallon on May 5th, 2022. We'll, we'll see where it goes from here for Penn State basketball. But just to peek into what, uh, you know, we, we'll get into some basketball conversations, quite frankly, that, we don't get the listeners when we headline with basketball as much on the show, uh, but we want, we do want to pop our head in there as much as we can, especially when things pop up such as this. Um, Daniel, let's move it back to football naturally to finish things out here on the Lions 24-7 podcast with our five-star mailbag. And you can drop your five-star rating and review at Apple Podcasts along with your question on whatever you want to know about Penn State football, recruiting, any kind of topics, throw our way, especially this stage of the offseason. You can do that on the message board too at Lions247.com if you're a member. Uh, subscribe if, you, if, if you're not. Uh, but if you're already on board there, uh, just reply to our podcast post with a question and, and we'll do our best to get to it on a future episode we hope to have a a bunch stacked up heading into the summer let's start with uh this one which position room faces the toughest task of replacing players lost to the nfl the conversation was the centerpiece of our last episode daniel breaking down all the guys who are getting their shot in the league and um, i'll let you start because you had a couple pieces up on lines247.com this week one was about the offense and special teams replacements that are going to be necessary. The other was about defense. Uh, nice work there. What stood out to you, I guess, and you can kick off this conversation. Yeah, I think you, in terms of guys who are in the NFL now who were on the roster last year, you look at linebacker. Uh, you lost two starters to the NFL, plus Jesse Lucetta, uh, who filled in there admirably. And Ellis Brooks had 100 tackles. Brandon Smith had 81 tackles. That's a lot of progression. And then the what's behind them is is a little unproven. I think that you have a lot of faith in Curtis Jacobs uh, moving to the will. Um, he's a talented player, and I think he's someone who could be kind of a, a breakout performer this year. But Jonathan Sutherland making that move down from safety, I think that's a good kind of stopgap um, at the Sam spot. I think that you'll you kind of know what you're going to get there. It's going to be some competency. But in the middle, Tyler Elsden or Kobe King, um, and then behind them in terms of depth, uh, Mark Brennan had his his depth chart uh, roundup from the blue white game. And mm. there's some walk ons, some, 
you know, young players, freshmen, redshirt freshmen uh, behind them. And it's kind of a, a lot of questions. I mean, at, at linebacker last year, I think Penn State was pretty fortunate that they stayed healthy. Uh, and in terms of guys missing games, it was Ellis Brooks. And you could just plug Jesse Lucetta uh, right in there for him. But moving forward, I, I think that linebacker has has a lot of questions because of who uh, heard their name called or who signed uh, over the weekend. I would say, first off, a tip of the cap to Taylor Stubblefield and what he's done with the receiver room, the fact that neither of us are, are even really giving that much of a glance, and despite the fact they lost an All-American, guys at the top of near, near or at the top of a lot of record books for Penn State with John Dotson. It, it is linebacker. Um, you know, Lucetta was able to contribute there. Whether people loved him or not as a linebacker, he was able to step up. If th- those targeting calls that pop up or an injury, he was really important part of that depth last year and was able to stabilize them in some key spots. And I mean, again, another guy that, that fans didn't necessarily clamor to as part of the LBU thing was, was uh, Ellis Brooks, you know, hundred tackles last year, uh, you know, certainly was left playing his best football in a Penn state uniform, which is a good thing. He's going to get a shot with the green Bay Packers as an undrafted free agent. But uh, you know, Brandon Smith uh, is another guy that's not an all American. Now, none of these guys are Micah Parsons, but they played a lot of big 10 football uh, you, you think they know what to anticipate from the bright lights a little bit. They know what the live bullets look like when you're facing Big Ten speed, when you're facing SEC speed as well. Um, so to me, that is a missing ingredient right now. We don't know what it's going to look like when the light turns on for a lot of these guys. I think that includes Curtis Jacobs as a leader, as a as a forefront kind of player in this defense. How's he going to react to that role? And I think for whether it's Tyler Elston or Kobe King uh, being the man in the middle and, and, and making sure that information is disseminated and, and Manny Diaz uh, attack is getting uh, implemented as it needs to, because we're going to have some early tests in front of them uh, for the Nittany Lions, I think. And, um, you know, Jonathan Sutherland's a big question mark. I, I know that a lot of uh, optimism coming out of spring camp about the way he's handled himself and that Sam role. And, and I, I'd love to see that shape out. It'll be a cool story for a six year guy who's meant a lot to the program on special teams and as a leader. Uh, but I'm not sure necessarily how much we'll see of him on the field in terms of snaps because of how they may use some of the defensive backs. So, Look, those are just the main guys, and those are the guys that we we know some about, but not even a lot. And so you start to go down the list. Is, is Abdul Garter going to come in as a freshman and be ready to play? Uh, Charlie Catchier, uh, unfortunately, been unavailable for a lot of his career. Um, so that's a very valid question mark, and that's still an area where that, that the transfer portal, if it can help you still. And remember, uh, A.J. Litton popped up last year, I feel like, in June, uh, coming in uh, after a year of hiatus from college football, and he ended up being a pretty important player for your special teams unit. So maybe you get some kind of addition, but Manny Diaz came in and, and a big focus of his, and he talked about really savoring it. You heard it, Daniel, was was working with these linebackers day to day. So this is kind of his baby, and um, if it looks like scrambled eggs out there on Thursday night in Purdue, the finger's going to be pointed at the new D.C., right? Yeah. Also, in terms of guys who are coming in, I wouldn't discount Keon Wiley uh, mm-hmm. either. I think that he's been I had talked to him for a story uh, last month and he's pretty vocal about uh, he wants to come in. He wants to be a factor early. He's doing everything that he can. So I think that what we see now uh, on the linebacker depth chart, like what Mark has uh, up right now in lines 24 seven, it's going to look a little bit different. But still, I mean, just really getting into it, uh, Purdue prime time against an interesting offense just right off the bat. I think that there's, you know, the defense lost so many players that there's going to be the growing pains, but I think that the growing pains at linebacker, I mean, it, it's hard to cover that up. So you're right that it's going to be a really interesting start uh, on on that Thursday night. 
Well, we got a lot of time to assess both sides of the ball here in the months ahead. We'll continue doing that. Mark Brennan, as you noted, kind of went through uh, the blue-white game. God bless him. Um, obviously, it was an interesting format to do that. Some guys were available for part of it, the live action. Some weren't. Uh, but it did a nice job piecing together who was involved, how much they were involved, who was sidelined, and kind of setting the stage for something you just said, very much an incomplete defense. Let's I keep stressing that. Zane Durant's the only scholarship addition at this point. He's a big one, but a lot to come. I'll have a story up uh, here on Thursday, actually, about all the scholarship guys that this program is set to add between now and the start of preseason camp. It is a long list uh, of incoming players, potentially impact guys in all three phases as well. Daniel, thanks for hopping on with us for another episode. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tyler. Looking forward to, to getting more of these under my belt. All right, awesome. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Thanks again to Brian Doan for joining us. For producer Lance Glenn, I'm Tyler Donahue. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.